Hey guys, Pastor Marcus here. Welcome to the Pomo Pastor Podcast, where our focus is going to be how to optimize your local Adventist church. I hope you're blessed by what you hear and that it inspires you to make a difference in your local church today. Today I have with me a colleague and a friend, Robert Stankovic, Pastor Robert Stankovic, and we're going to be talking about how to heal a fanatical church, which is, uh, I think it's a pretty relevant topic because as we seek to optimize our churches, we have to recognize that sometimes we run into communities of faith that are, for lack of a better word, fanatical. So Robert's been through that experience and he's going to share some of his wisdom and story. We're going to ask him some questions and learn some really good stuff on how we can optimize even those churches that look like all hope is lost. Before we begin, um, Robert, I just want to ask you um, just a few questions just to introduce yourself. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, just in general. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a pastor of two churches, and, um, and I began my ministry as a bivocational pastor, where I worked with two country churches, and then I um, installed satellite dishes uh, for 3 AVN Hope Channel. And then after six years of that, which gave me valuable experience, then I, I felt a stronger sense of calling into Avondale College and then uh, came over here cool. to this conference. To Western Australia, man. Yeah. This is where it's at, guys. This is where it's at. That's where it's happening. So, Robert, tell me, man, um, what are some things that you do for fun? What do I do for fun? Uh, this may sound crazy, but time to time I like to go to the airport. There's an observation area and just watch planes come in and out. Huh, okay. Do you do you fly at all? Have you ever flown a plane? Oh I don't fly, but I have I have been with a friend who took me up in a Cessna. Nice. And he gave me the controls. Really? <laughs> and that was between mountains. Wait know, a minute, Washington wait State. a minute. <laughs> Did you at least know how to use the controls? Uh no. And he just gave you the controls. He just said, look, it's like if you played computer games with a joystick, yeah. a couple of pedals. And um, and just uh, oh, take dude. it easy. Were you were you scared? Like I would have been freaking out, well, man. I've been like, Dog, I no, can't do he that. he had a fairly stable up in the air, okay. and he just navigated me what to do, and okay. um, it was cool. Did he have one of those giant buttons with his own joystick where he could take over anytime? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I might have felt a little bit more comfortable in that in that scenario. Yeah. Wow, man. So, um, tell us. Just a random question, because I like to ask random questions. Sure. What is your favorite dessert? My favorite dessert? I've never been a, you know, you go to these potluck lunches, and yeah. as soon as dessert comes out, everybody goes, oh! Yes, yes. I, I wait for the fruit to come out. Okay, you're a Juicy fruit man. cold watermelons or yeah. grapes. So you're a fruit man. I'm a fruit bat. I'm a fruit bat. Uh, <laughs> I never heard the phrase fruit bat before, wait a minute. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, I'm gonna steal that, bro. I'm a fruit bat too, man. Have you ever heard of fruitarians? Fruitarians? Yeah, it's kind of weird. Who just eat fruit? Yeah, they're like vegetarians, but fruitarians. They just eat fruit. Yeah. Or I know, I know. Like, Adam and Eve used to. Only fruit. They were. <laughs> well, they had nuts and grains. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think fruitarians have nuts and grains too, but like eighty percent of their diet is fruit. Like I reckon I could get into that. Yeah, it's, it, I think it's good for a cleansing and that, mm. but you kind of look a little sickly after a while. Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't want to get into that. For those of you who are not familiar with Pomo Pastor, uh, pomopastor.com is a project with a focus on the local Adventist church. And the reason why is because I believe that the local Adventist church has a story to tell. 
And it's, it's my passion and my mission to help optimize the local church to tell that story. And um, imagine, imagine a world where every local Adventist church was relevant, authentic, and focused on making a difference in its community. Like, that would be amazing. That, that's the world that I dream of, and that's the world that I want to help bring into reality. But of course, like, like we said earlier, um, we have to confront what's actually before us. And many times when we come into a church and seek to optimize that church and help it to become healthier and to grow, um, you're not always walking into a church full of young, energetic, missional people. Uh, sometimes you walk into a church filled with, um, with nomads from yesteryear, um, sometimes you walk into a church filled with people who have no energy or, or who've lost their vision. And then sometimes you walk into a church that, for lack of a better word, is fanatical. Now, of course, I'm not talking about the whole church here. Um, I, I mean, maybe there's churches out there where every single person is fanatical um, in, in an Adventist context anyway. Because we know Westboro Baptist is definitely one of those, but they're not Adventist, so we'll leave them out of it. Um, but for the most part, I think what you can expect is that in many fanatical churches, what you have is a group of people within the church, uh, in positions of leadership, um, and, 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 and sometimes not, who seem to have a monopoly mm -hmm. over the church, and, and they sort of hold it hostage to, to their ideology. And, and what do you do? You, know, like you, you can't just start a process of optimization uh, with a church like that until you deal with that giant elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. And uh, the thing is, guys, I, I've never had to encounter that. I've been, I've been blessed so far. Um, but my, my good friend Robert here has definitely had to encounter it. Um, and he has had his fair share of sleepless nights. So I want to take, take the time today to just let you share your story, Robert. And I want to ask you some questions along the way as well. Uh, so that uh, those of us who are encountering that or who will encounter that can glean some wisdom so that um, you know we can make a difference when we end up in these churches. Uh, now, I remember when you first arrived at your church, I remember thinking to myself, wow, in my head, there's no hope for that church at all. You know, So, so I was like, oh man, poor Robert, uh, because in my head it was like that, that, that church is not going anywhere. And yet now, um, these, these, these years later, you've actually you've actually turned that church around and, and I know you'd say hey, it wasn't all me um, but for the sake of our conversation <laughs> it was all you um, you've turned that church around and it's, it's become a much healthier community we'll talk about that a little bit more toward the end but um, I, let me let me in, just start the conversation by asking you this question how did you end up at that particular church to begin with well, uh, I was at a couple of churches before, and then uh, there was a pastor that was at this particular church that we're going to talk about that just said, look, I can't do it anymore. And, and they quit pretty much mid-year. Mm. So they had to get a fill-in pastor to fill in until they were able to, to yeah. put someone in there from one of our regular pastors and so... And, and did this, this guy quit because of the dynamics in the church? Yeah, the dynamics, dynamics and the stress and, yeah. and the sense of hopelessness mm. was difficult. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So when you ended up at that church, how long, like, were you aware what you were walking into? I was, okay. I was. In fact, <clears throat> in fact uh, a couple of months before the end of the year that I was to come in the following year, they invited me to come in with the president, with the current pastor, 
and myself with the elders and 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 a good part of the board and we just had a conversation okay about where they've been where they're at what their expectations are of a pastor so we had the good the bad and the ugly all in the one room yeah so it wasn't a conversation about uh, the president or the pastor saying you know they're all bad or this or that they were just saying this is where they're at this is what the leaders are looking for in you mm. and I thought whoa <laughs> <laughs> did you <laughs> did you think at that moment like man what did I get myself into I gotta get out of here or like yeah was, oh it's was... still November <laughs> <laughs> still yeah yeah that's right yeah <laughs> It's not, nothing's official yet at this yeah. point. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I saw that and I was up to the challenge only because in my background, half of my lifetime ago, I was caught up in ultra-conservative circles myself. You so, know, so, so, you, so at one point in your life, you were... One of them. Pretty fanatical <laughs> as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and the thing is... What got me out of that ultra-conservative circle was the fact that I didn't see Jesus in that circle. Wow. And reading the book Desire of Ages and Steps to Christ, which I read everything else that was, you know, hardcore rebuke and, yeah. you know, counsel, I didn't see the life of Christ mm. in these people. And I'm observing almost from a distance, why are they treating this person that way? Why are they doing this? And I thought, I'm the same. Mm. And I needed a, a big change came into my life. So I entered this um, challenge knowing that I know how they think. I know their worldview. I know where they're coming from. Yeah. That I can tap into it. And of course, the Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy is a big thing. Yeah. And so it was amazing how I was able to even use uh, Spirit of Prophecy writings to actually rebuke them of some things that they did and they never even read those things yeah yeah that's incredible man yeah I, I resonate with your story a little bit because I know like there was a period of time in my life where I really really questioned my my own faith heritage as as an Adventist and it wasn't entirely you know like a theological thing it was a um it was it was more of uh just how we are as a people like how we treat each other um, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I spent I spent a, a Christmas season with um, with a friend of mine in Georgia, and I attended her church. It wasn't a Sefi church; it was um, a non denominational church. And and the love for Jesus that the people had was just so contagious and so powerful and so beautiful. And they just loved the people, and they just loved serving. And it was so simple and and attractive. And then um, when when that season ended, and I came back to my setting my Adventist bubble, everyone was arguing about whether or not Christmas was pagan and judging each other. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I got to be in the wrong church. I mean, like, this, this, this just doesn't add up, you know? Mm. Um, but thankfully, by God's grace, you know, he, he led me through that journey to see that it's, it's, it's not the, the real thing that was missing. It was just that personal encounter with Jesus. Mm. Um, and so I, I find that amazing. Like, you, you actually recognize like that's a holy spirit thing that jesus was absent in in your experience yeah and i i think you know god had a bigger picture for my life for sure and what i went through at that time i had no idea but i think god was using that as a platform towards where i was ending up today yeah so tell me your story um you got to this church 
you started pastoring at this church and you were immediately confronted with this power play, this power struggle. Um, and there was there were key people involved who were just, they were just the thorn in your flesh, so to speak. They were. Um, so, so talk a little bit, talk us through that. Like yeah. I want to talk about the solution later on, but I, mm. I, I kind of want to, I kind of want to hear your pain as well. Let's just say that every elders meeting and every board meeting was something I didn't look forward to. Mm. That's how it got to. Uh, whenever I presented a vision or this or that, either some of them felt that you know I was um, beating them or I was saying that the church is you know unloving and all of that kind of thing. Um, I, every time I shared a vision, every time I shared a particular direction, it was always knocked down and say, oh, you know, that's, oh, that's part of mysticism or that's part of this or that. And, um, and so I had to wrestle with leaders and, and I just felt like I came to a, a block where we just weren't going anywhere. And the yeah. issue wasn't so much the direction and the vision, it was about relationships. Yeah. They, you know, I asked some of them, have you ever read Steps to Christ? Have you ever read the Gospel of John through? None of them have. And I thought, you know, we need to have a prayer revival of knowing who Jesus is, not just knowing about him, but experiencing him for ourselves. So every month was a struggle. Um, I never looked forward to it. And it, it wasn't until they had left, and just sort of a nutshell, that the rest of the leaders felt, wow, this is the first board meeting I've really enjoyed for a long time. Wow, wow. So it was, it was a difficult experience, but some tough love was necessary, as much as tactfulness, kindness, patience, loving them, forgiving them. We need to, had, I had to make some ultimatums yeah. with the rest of the board. Um, to, to, for the sake of the health of the church. Wow. Otherwise, the flock would be scattered. And they were scattering. Mm. There were members leaving yeah. little by little. Yeah. Um, just before I came, there were 20, 30 that had left wow. a few years before I came. Uh, they've merged into other church plants and churches. And I'm thinking the way we're going from a, you know 150 people yeah. down to 40 mm. uh, is not good. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. So, so talk to me. Um, I want to talk about you know like the the, the tough love um, a little bit later on. I want to just dig into it a little bit um, when we talk about some tools for, for how we can um, solve this same issue you know in, in in different local churches for those who are listening. But um, what would you say was probably one of the worst experiences that you had during this time? Some of the worst experiences I've had was during Sabbath school study lessons, mm. during my sermons. Sometimes there were abrupt interruptions wow. in the middle of my sermon. And I would kindly say, you know, we can discuss that later on in person and discuss and talk about it. And they would say, no, 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 you can, you can clarify for everyone here right now. So there was sort of a confrontation. Sabbath school was unhealthy. It was, it was almost political, it was, um, it was a theological wrestling match. Mm. It wasn't an integrating, in, you know, relational, engaging yeah. uh, experience. And, and so people were feeling that. Mm. While many wanted change, they were afraid of how to approach it. And they were really hoping that the pastor would 
really yeah. step in there yeah. and do something dramatically. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I thought, well, I've just been here three months, I, I need a bit more time. So mm. time is of essence and I feel like if I rush through something, it's like the great controversy thing, you know, Elmoy says that sometimes the the fruit of evil needs to ripen up. Yeah, it needs that to time the to point just where yeah. everyone sees the big picture for yeah. what it is. Yeah. Absolutely. Rather than saying, Oh, that wasn't fair or you know, yeah. The past judgment or misunderstandings mm. and intentions. Yeah. So I know when we first um, reconnected some some uh, some years ago, and we were talking about this experience that you had at this church. One of the things you mentioned to me was because um, I, I was telling you, I was like, man, I'm so amazed at how this church has turned around and, and the things they're doing now. And and one of the first things you said to me was, man, I had a lot of sleepless nights. Yeah, so so talk me through that a little bit, like because I've never actually asked you to elaborate on that. Sure. Every time we come back from a board meeting, I came home very tired, exhausted mentally, mm. thinking what's going to happen the next week or month. It was almost like a month by month. Yeah. It wasn't. I didn't feel like it was a five year contract. Yeah. Like a phone. It was like a month by month, and I thought if I should yeah. quit, I'm going to step off. Yeah. And I just. In, through prayer and support of my wife and and, and 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 at the time one of the elders who is now the leading elder he was kind of a little towards questioning me but yet he could see something different and I could see in him a potential good leader and, and, and I'm glad he is now and um, he was a great right hand man support he prayed for me uh, he always called me or texted me, how are you going past? Is everything okay? So it was important to have people that supported you as a pastor. Yeah. I didn't want this to be the pastor against the church. Kind of yeah. It was uh, the pastor with his leaders that was going, that, taking them on a journey. And, and the centrality of my whole approach wasn't focusing on the problems but looking at how we can live like Christ mm. and demonstrate good fruits yeah. that will contrast yeah. the, 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 the negative fruits wow. that was yeah. in the church. So would you say, like, we're, we're going to hop on this in a minute um, as we start talking about mm. you know, some of the, the tools and strategies you use, but would you say that one of, one of the essential strategies was just living a Christ-like life and allowing your character to outshine Yep. Outshine theirs. That, that was the biggest factor. In fact, mm. more than half of the church, well, most of the church were totally for me. In, in fact, they were always personally saying, Pastor, with, I just thank you, you're here. Don't give up on us. Mm. Um, it's going to be tough, but I know yeah. we'll get through this. And that was an encouragement. And I always said to them, don't fight them, just love them. Mm. and let God deal with the rest yeah. and, and in the end I remember many of them saying when we went through that tough period and people some of those tough uh, people left of their own accord because they didn't kind of fit in anymore with the vision that the church was, was driving um, they said pastor it was because of your good leadership because of your kindness um, patience you know, not keeping your cool, mm. um, that really convinced us yeah. that that you were the real deal, that the direction you wanted to go wasn't to take us on a uh, on the other extreme of liberal, mm. worldly, 
approach, but to yeah. actually a positive change for the better because of where we're at. Yeah. Wow, man, that's that's really powerful because oftentimes I think in a situation like that, it, you I think the natural human in inclination is to fight fire with fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but but you took a different route and it's counterintuitive, but it worked. Like that's why it took 12, 13 months. Yeah. Know? So 12, 13 months that you went through this. Twelve to eighteen. Twelve to eighteen. Yeah. yeah. So the first twelve months was hell. Mm-hmm. And then the embers were cooling down in the next six months. Okay. <laughs> you like this man? I like how you put that. The embers were cooling down. <laughs> really go through hell. Yeah, yeah. My goodness, man. So um, I, I want to just ask you two, two more questions sure. on, on the personal experience. And then I want to start talking about just some of the tools and strategies. But sure. um, how did this experience impact the church as a whole? Was it, was it something that mostly just impacted the church board? Or could you see that their fanatical leadership was dragging down every aspect of the church? The church at large, when we had business meetings, the church at large, like I said, was watching the way I was dealing with it and watching mm. the way they were treating me. Mm. And as I cast a vision, it wasn't a vision of getting rid of the bad. It was about introducing a better vision mm -hmm. and and that vision was serving and that was something that is usually lacking in a lot of our churches serving outside of our churches connecting with the church and I asked the question you know if, if this church was suddenly closed down would the streets around our church and the surrounding community actually miss us mm -hmm. would they even know we existed yeah and everyone says I don't think they would Mm. know who we were I says well that's the vision and direction I want to go mm. and I think that's what made the big difference it wasn't just clipping off the difficult areas of our church it was replacing that wow. with a vision of service yeah and we had good social connections we had good spiritual nurture but we lacked service yeah. we lacked serving others mm. and, and and I know uh, a recent movie, uh, The Greatest Showman, mm. the quote on the end of that movie says, the noblest act, or the noblest thing a person can do is to make other people happy. Mm. And I thought, how can That's we awesome. make people out there happy to know Jesus in their life? Yeah. And I said, yeah, we're too inward focused. Yeah. So the more we, our vision will strengthen for service, the more our health of our church grew and the greater the vision and then all the negative stuff just got pushed to the edge yeah. it's not it's not like i had to grab these difficult people and throw them out yeah they just didn't fit into the picture wow and it's a bit like what Ellen might um, says about how in heaven there'll be people who won't be there not because god doesn't allow them but because then they won't fit in yeah you know, and I said to my kids, you know, if you've ever been in a place where you know nobody, you don't enjoy what they enjoy, would you enjoy the experiences? No. Mm. I said, well, that's what they experienced. Yeah. They floated. But, you know, I still keep praying for them, yeah. even to this day, that they will have a personal encounter with Christ. Yeah. That's... Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's, yeah. that's powerful. And, and I think, you know, the, already, we haven't even you know technically gone to the to the mm. point of the conversation where we're focusing on the strategies and the solutions but i think already you've pointed out two really powerful things so your personal 
character witness, you know, the way in which you yep. treat them and leading the church to focus on service and, and the good will all on its own will push out the bad. Mm. It, it, it will, yeah. it just won't fit in anymore. It'll have to leave. Yes, That's really powerful, man. So how did this impact your family as well? Like, because I'm imagining like if you were having sleepless nights, this, was, this wasn't just something you could leave at work. Uh, yeah. It must have impacted your, you know, your family life as well. So how was that? I'm, I'm, I'm really privileged to have a, a wife that is, was been very supportive with me. Mm. She never talked down on people. She always encouraged me, prayed with me, mm. prayed for her enemies. Yeah. Um, um, and, and that's what I always looked for, uh, even before I even thought about that I would go into ministry. Yeah. I wanted to be able to serve in some capacity and have a, a relationship that we support each other in that same vision. So she supported me greatly. While she was there once a month, um, and then once a month in one of my other churches, the other two Sabbaths, she would be at another church where we originally began, where you mm. pastored as yeah, well. Yeah. That's where our kids connected. And I wanted to be sure that the health of my children, spiritually and socially, was intact mm. while we were going through this turbulence. I needed to put them above mm. that tension up there where there isn't turbulence yeah. rather than to ride with me in the storm because okay. I, I didn't want to have casualties from my own family sure. to be disgruntled and think that is that what the church is about mm. I says no it's not yeah it's just the odd one here and there yeah so your family had a healthy church that they were attending yep. and and you said listen you guys stay there yep i don't want my kids to have to go through this yep. at this church and, and, and yeah. the first six to twelve months they almost didn't come at all mm. To, to this church. Yeah. It was after when they were starting to leave that they started to come once a month yeah. and um, all that. So during during the head-on wrestling thing, they were behind the fence. Yeah. And um, until uh, you know the ball left yeah, the yeah, ring, yeah, yeah. then they came in. Yeah, that's a good tip, man. That's a good tip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't sacrifice your family. Yeah. Uh, for the sake of the church, mm. um, family comes first. God comes first, then family, then church. Yeah, right on, man. So we've talked about you know your experience, and already you've mentioned two two key things that you did that helped bring a healthier a healthy outcome for this church. Um, is there anything else that you could say? You know, if you're a pastor or 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 um, a church member, a leader in your church, and you find yourself in this situation, here's something that you can do that can help lead the church in a healthy direction. I wouldn't say anything a lot more different except that I would focus my time in prayer. Mm. prayer. And for me, prayer wasn't... A, the focus of my prayer and the church, because I started a little prayer group yeah. praying for that specific thing, the prayer focus wasn't about me. Mm. It was about God. Mm. So it was about saying, Lord, this is your church. We want your name to be vindicated. Mm -hmm. We want your character to shine through. Yeah. This is not about the pastor. This is not about us. This is about you and, and your purpose and mission was to come to this world, die for us, and reach out to the people in the community through us. Yeah. And, and that's the only prayer we want answered. Yeah. We're, we're not specifically saying, get rid of these people and this and mm -hmm. let me this and that. We took the focus off ourselves and it was on God yeah. to vindicate his good character and name yeah. in his church. And, that, and that's, that was our focus. 
Um, the other thing was, yeah, my own personal time with God. Um, and I said, Lord, this is not my battle. Mm. This is yours. This yeah. is your church. Yeah. And I'm just here as your, as your servant, and I'm here to help and work through the issues. Mm. But I don't know everything. That's the thing. Yeah. I don't. Um, if I did, then I wouldn't be in prayer and asking yeah. God yeah, 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 for wisdom. Uh, so I was learning along the way. It's a bit like parenting, you know. Yeah. You know, I've read through Adventist Home and other books, but until you had kids, yes. all of a sudden, woo. Yeah, that's okay. right, man. <laughs> it's on the job training thing. Yeah, it's like when, when I was in the army, we would train for a mission over and over and over again. You'd, you'd rehearse it over and over and over again, and then you got you actually went to do the mission the and everything, thing. nothing went as planned. Like, and there was a saying in the military, like, nothing ever goes as planned in combat, you know, like, exactly. that's just the way it is, because there's all these variables that you could never anticipate that always come in. So, yeah, you know, like, being in the trenches and, 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 and having that wisdom, like, you need to have that constant connection with God to walk through yeah. that journey. Yeah. And sometimes in the middle of the board meeting, how many times, more than once, in the middle of it, it got so escalated, so tense, that I said, okay, I think we need to stop. Mm. And to close in prayer, go home and pray for ourselves. Mm. It's just how tense it was. Because I, I sense that we weren't ready and didn't have all the answers at the time. Yeah. And it's not a sense of um, uh, failure to retreat. Yeah. It just means to recalibrate, mm. refocus, and approach it in the right way. And I think that we had to do that quite a few times. Because sometimes when things get escalated, you, nobody enjoys, you know, tension and, and fights uh, because stress is involved and, and overreaction is possible. And, and we say, let's stop, let's pray. And prayer just sort of, you know, neutralize things. It, it humbles some, it rebukes some, it, it strengthens others, it refocuses all. Yeah, that's good, man. Wow. So... When it comes to dealing with this particular situation, being like Christ, living out a Christ-like character uh, by His grace, and focusing on bringing good into the church instead of focusing on getting rid of the bad, focus on bringing good into the church mm -hmm. and having a really vibrant connection with God are really key to taking a church that's fanatical or that's been hijacked by fanatical leadership mm -hmm. and turning it around. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's good and eventually we had to make ultimatums yeah we had to so talk to me a little bit about that because that seems like it would have been a tough thing to do it was it, it, it wasn't something that we uh, planned or anticipated but there was it, there was tension within the church mm. it actually it, it almost got worse before it got better yeah if you want to put it that way it's like pregnancy. We might have morning sickness, but then the birth pain and all of that, and then it's the good thing after. So there was tension, and, and eventually we had to sit down, and and I said to the to the business meeting, we have to make an ultimatum tonight. If if it's your desire to continue to positively contribute to the life of this church to have unity uh, in fellowship and mission and all of that, then you are most welcome to be here. But if it's there to cause division, 
and, and disruption of relationships and all of those kind of things, then maybe it's time you need to take some time out and reflect and think about what we do and why we do what we do in church. And so we made an ultimatum and we made some simple rules and that is love God supremely, love each other and there is to be no negative uh, criticism or putting other people down. That was one simple rule that we did. Only if you can't say anything nicely to someone, don't say it. And we use scripture to back all that up. And so if you've got something good to compliment someone, compliment someone. If you've got something negatively to say, think and pray about it first. Come and talk to your elders or myself um, what the issues are, then we can try and see how we can approach it in a better way that will be build up the people rather than pull them down. So we needed to have some boundaries. And those boundaries were always being pushed. And so we had to say... If you're not willing to go within these boundaries, then maybe you need to take some time out and reflect on why you are a Christian, why you are an Adventist, what is our mission, why do we do what we do. So it was a hard thing. Um, Those several people were outvoted on the board as leaders. Wow. That's all we had to start. Let me me pause you really quick because... That's a huge step. It's huge. So how did you get to that step? I know that most of the most of the board were probably like gelling with you at this point. They they'd seen your character, they they you know they were they were starting to catch the vision. Yeah. So did you visit them personally and say, We need to do something about this? Will you support me with a vote at the board meeting? Or did you just throw it out there and hope for the best? I I initially threw it out to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I did speak personally to individuals, to all of them, to the difficult people. I took a couple of the elders that I knew knew were balanced and neutral mm. and, and positive um, to visit with these difficult people personally. Um, some of them didn't want the visit. Mm. Um, so that wasn't a, a good sign of health, health yeah. spiritual health and maturity as a leader. So we, we discussed all that at the board. And overwhelmingly, it was noted that these four people should um, be dismissed in their leadership. We didn't, for us, the issue wasn't about membership at this time. It was just their leadership. And uh, because they lost their leadership, they they walked out completely from the church. Wow. So we didn't have to deal with anything else. And it was amazing. From the very next Sabbath, there was a numbness. Mm. And then in the next two, three Sabbaths, there was a sense of peace. Wow. Wow. That's incredible, man. And then every other elders and board meeting we had after that, it was like, I can't remember last time we had a good board meeting. That was actually spiritual, that was focused, that was enjoyable, that was enriching. Yeah. And there was no fight. That's awesome. Good stuff, man. No UFC board meeting. We're going to have to start teaching pastors um, MMA. In, 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 uh, <laughs> at university, man, for these... Uh, wow, yeah, that's, yeah. that's wild, man. Yeah. So, um, what is the church like today? We're fast-forwarding a yep. big chunk of time here. Yep. Um, yep. And so I'm, sure, I'm sure it's an ongoing journey, but where are we today? And what are the things that are happening now? So, a couple of years after all that, like I said, we jumped on a vision. We, we ran a soup kitchen. Ran a soup kitchen. In our, awesome. in our church hall. 
and we every week we started with two or three people yeah. and then next week there was five or six and wow. then it was 10 and there was 15 and by about four months we had regularly about 60 wow non christian well, non-adventists yeah from the community there were old people young people indigenous homeless you name them yeah all of a sudden that encounter dramatically changed not only do we have a vision to serve but when we actually did it is what made the big change mm. they saw the potential and that helped them to realize that we need to change mm. how we do church how we relate to one another so that they can fit in to the kingdom of God yeah. the kingdom of love yeah. and not to judge not to criticize all of that until they there you know whether they were cooking food, preparing, sitting in ta on tables, talking with them. Mm. All of that experience revolutionized our church. They caught the vision. And for the last couple of years, we've been fundraising. Wow. And we're almost there. Probably February, March, we should be building our kitchen, renovating parts of the hall, and, and ready to... We've even got churches from other denominations that uh, uh, want to jump in and volunteer and help out and they even donated some money and wow so th they see the the good that that's there and um service if i could boil it down service and having a vision mission to serve others mm. is what changed their whole perspective in christianity yeah it's not about okay let me find god first and then i'll go and serve mm. that's that's good yeah but it doesn't always work. Yeah. Until you get there, you realize, what have I missed out on? <laughs> and what can I do to make the time to engage people yeah. to be a part of God's kingdom? So it really dramatically changed. Of course, a good preaching and, and teaching and leadership is all important. Yeah. And that's helped. But until we actually pulled our sleeves up and engaged in the community, that people change their whole perspective about not judging accepting people yeah. and caring that's powerful man I, I have heard it put much better than how I'm about to butcher it but I have heard it put that um, judgmentalism and hatred and you know all those types of things they can only exist when you're disconnected Absolutely. What, once you begin to connect once you approximate yourself to people who are broken who are hurting yeah then that sort of ideology can't exist anymore. Yeah. You know, it, it's so proximity is what I think was the quote. Proximity is, you know, it, it kills hatred, it kills racism, it kills judgmentalism, it kills all those things yeah. because yeah. you're coming close to people and serving them. That yeah. kind of stuff can't survive. And, and the reason why we criticize others is because we've got our own unresolved issues in yeah, our lives. That's right. But as soon as we see other people's brokenness, mm -hmm. we realize that, hey, we yeah. too are broken yeah. and I need help. Yeah. through prayer through this that's right and then by serving others you're actually helping yourself wow that's awesome man that's really really powerful dude it, it, it's it's amazing to hear because like i said to you mm. in my head i'm ashamed to admit it i didn't think there was any hope for this church so you know like if i would have gotten a call like hey um we want you to pass it as church i don't know what i would have said i might have i might have uh, <laughs> i don't know but i know in my head i just didn't really think that there was any hope for it and and being able to look at what you guys are doing and where you are now and see that there was hope for that church mm -hmm. 
and, and there's hope for all of our churches. We, we can optimize every local Adventist church in the globe yeah. to tell the story of God with maximum efficiency. Um, and it doesn't matter what the obstacles are. You know, there, there's going to be lots of obstacles, and, and you know, I certainly don't have the answers for all of it. But to hear your story and your wisdom and your experience gives me hope that even in churches where you know, there's these power plays and this fanaticism and they've got this really bad reputation, there's still a way forward. And, and through your faithfulness, God was able to bring that about. So that's really cool. Now I've got a question for you, Robert, because um, we're almost out of time. Sure. But I'm sure that there may be some um, church members listening yep. and they're wondering, okay, this is really cool. What can I as a church member do to... You know, like suppose I'm in a fanatical church and I'm a church member. Um, I'm not the pastor and I'm not the elder. I'm just a church member. Yep. What can I do to help heal my church from this? Is there anything? A couple things. First, band together in a prayer group. Mm. Whether you want to call it prayer warriors or war room or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Good movie, by the way. Good movie. <laughs> yeah, and, and we actually have a war room in one of my churches. Nice. And, and, and that was the initial thing, and that's what we have in both. Prayer was the first thing. Second, that connects with that, is just live out the love of God, to be consistent, and support your pastor. Support your pastor wholeheartedly. Don't be afraid to vocally support him in front of others. I think, I think that's a good point. So I know you have another one, but I just want to like mm. stretch that a little bit because sure. I know like a lot of times in these fanatical churches, like I said, it's not everyone that's fanatical. It's a few key people, really type A personalities, yeah. really vocal, really loud, and they can be intimidating. Very. And so what you're saying is don't be intimidated. Um, let your voice be heard. Don't don't yeah. sit back and be silent. Exactly. Because you know? a lot of times these people will come on the side and say, yeah. hey, Pastor, yeah. I'm praying for you. And you're like, why didn't you say anything at the meeting? I needed you to. <laughs> I, I've, I've gone through that myself. Yeah. And, and I, I didn't say to them, why didn't you tell me, you know, say something. Mm. I prayed, Lord, why didn't they speak up? You know, say yeah. something when it was needed then. Yeah. But in, in the end, it was good. But anyway, with both of my churches, I, I went through a similar thing with my other church. Mm. But in the end, we begin to find, find out that the, those that left the church because of the problems, the good ones, yeah. we lost a lot of good leaders. Mm. That, that was the thing. That was yeah. the hardest thing. That is, yeah. But then new um, people started to come in. Yeah. Soon as those difficult people left immediately it's like the door opened and God says I can trust you with the more people mm -hmm. and all of a sudden we're having Bible studies and this wow. and that happening um, which was blocked and shut and you know yeah. just couldn't happen um, and yeah it's just amazing uh, what's happening because in my other church it was a little different we had three families that moved in to support me Mm. And they made a huge difference, and it was quicker the transition. Wow! So if if you're you know if you're a family or two or three in your own church, get behind the pastor, mm. be engaged, involved, support him. Um, you'll make a huge difference in support and, yeah. and going through those tough times, because it's not always just being nice to them that's going to get you through, but because of your niceness, when you do make those hard decisions, they know that you didn't do it out of control. You did it in Christ. Amen. Yeah, that's awesome, bro. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I thank you for you know for that for that advice because 
we can't see church optimization as just something that a pastor can do, right? The members uh, are really the heartbeat to it. They're, they're really the, the, the force behind it. And as an Adventist church, we, we believe that the power is not in particular leaders and particular people. The power is in the community of faith. Yep. So yeah, if you're a church member, you can make a massive difference. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't, you don't need an official title. All you need is the anointing of the Spirit of God, which you have, and to take some practical steps uh, to help, you know, whether it's supporting your pastor or, or your healthy leaders, and you can make a difference in helping to heal um, a fanatical church, no matter what your position is, and even if you don't have a position, it doesn't matter. So Rob, one more question before we close, man. Sure. Some of the um, folk who are listening to this um, as a podcast or watching it on YouTube might be thinking, hey, um, this was really insightful, was really good. I wonder if there's any way I can contact this Robert guy and ask him sure. some personal questions. Sure. So um, how, if someone wanted to contact you, whether shoot you an email or something, yep. because they're going through this and yep. they and they want some some contextualized wisdom to yep. their particular scenario, yep. how can they contact you? Well, I think a, a good way to start first, the conversation is probably the email that's gonna appear on this screen. Yes. Shortly. I'll pop it down uh, there. Robert Stankovic at adventist.org.au. And feel free to email me your situation or questions you have. And I'm also really happy to help out any of the local churches, particularly here in the Perth Metro, um, that you you feel that you've got a difficult situation in your church and, and you want to navigate through that, you're not sure how to do it and you'd like my advice or support or any questions you have. And I'm even more than happy to come in person um, to sit in with your leaders or with your church members and just have a conversation about these things, what I've gone through and how we can sort of steer in, in a positive direction. Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much, Robert. I appreciate you coming out and um, hanging out at the Pomo Pastor Podcast today. And uh, thank you guys for watching. I just want you to remember that the local Adventist church has a story to tell that nobody else is telling. So let's optimize it to tell that story well. Thanks again. We'll see you next time. Well, that's all I've got time for today. But if you want some more, just come hang out at pomopastor.com. Thanks again for spending some time listening to the podcast. I'll catch you on the next one.